0: Hi, this is Roy Worley. Welcome to the interview show that brings on guests from all walks of life. Yeah, it's here that they tell their stories and delve a little deeper into their lives to see what got them where they are. So grab a drink, have a seat and relax because this is The Leo Effects.
1: When was the last time a short movie shook your emotions to the core? When was the last time a short movie caused you to rethink everything you stood for? When was the last time a short movie made you proud to be an American? When was the last time you felt the emotion to stand up and cheer after a short movie? The new short movie, I've Got Your Six, written and directed by Bill Foster, one of the industry's newest and fastest climbing directors, will answer all of those questions. Rarely has there been so much packed into a short movie that when you leave, you'll feel more proud of our American military veterans. A movie that was cast only with American military veterans will have you on the edge of your seat cheering for our veterans and what makes America great. I've Got Your Six will be hitting the film festival scene soon. Be prepared to drop what you're doing and go see this powerful movie when it comes to your area. Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Leo Effects. Now, today I'm starting a brand new little segment on the show called Music Mondays. And I've got somebody that's here. I'm very excited to speak with him. Um, I I had a chance to listen to his band and the sound that they've got going on. It's really great. I think you're going to like it, too. And we're, of course, going to have links and things like that in the description so you can go check it out. Um, But, you know, without further ado, allow me to introduce to you Wallace Dietz. How are you, sir? Hey, doing great. Glad to be on your show. Absolutely, thank you so much for being here. And so, I kind of alluded to it in the beginning, but can you tell the listeners like what what the name of your band is? The name of the band is the Silent Boys. S I L E N T Boys. Silent Boys. Where where'd that name come from? I am a big Steely's fan,
0: and and there's a song called Fosse Law" on the first Steely's album. Um, crazy rhythms and it sounds like to me he's saying let's hear it for the silent boys everything is alright and I never oh. went back and checked that might not even be a lyric in the song but I think <laughs> he's saying let's hear it for the silent boys everything is alright and so I just love the feelies um, they're one of the bands that um, the reason i started to you know make music think that I could be in the band think that I could write songs mm-hmm. um, is the feelies
1: that's awesome <laughs> That's a really good little and you guys have been around for a while, right? right We were playing in Richmond um,
0: nightclubs from 1986 to 1991. Um, and then we took about an eight year break. Mm-hmm. Um, the band kind of fizzled out. people moved out of town and then we picked back up again in 1999 and since then we've put out um, Tilt to World will be our eighth eighth album.
1: Goodness eight albums that's that's an achievement. Yeah, and the thing is,
0: we haven't really, we're, we're so into making the music, we just keep our heads down, fly under the radar, and we really haven't done anything to showcase the music. And we haven't been able to play live because the lead guitarist um, moved from Hawaii, and then he lived in Burlington, Vermont, and now he lives in Boulder, Colorado. <laughs> oh, so we, I really want to um, play out live because everybody else in the band is here in town in Richmond. Mm. Um, so we're ready to go. Just have to wait for him maybe to retire or do something so he can play some shows with us.
1: I gotcha. What made you decide to pursue a career in music? Well, actually, my career is a high school guidance counselor. Oh, okay. And
0: the, the Silent Boys has just been something we have done on the side. So um, all of us have jobs, so this isn't a full-time gig force.
1: Oh, all right. So
0: it's really, uh, we can just, it's a work of just love and passion and having fun together, writing songs. Yeah. Um, and, and, and we all love the details. John, Sue and Natalie DeForest, just love all the details. We do a lot of um, the recording uh, ourselves and then the, the mixing and, and, and all of that. So.
1: Mm-hmm. And do the, the kids at the school know that you have a alter ego as a band member?
0: Yeah, a lot, a lot of them did. and They thought that was cool. I was at um, I just retired two years ago, and I was oh, at okay. James River High School. And it just and I and I was the um, running a peer facilitator program, and we would have an open mic during lunch. So I would encourage and get students to get their bands together and play. And really fortunate at James River High School, there were all these creative students that were making really interesting and neat music, all sorts of music. So it was fun to be there. Yeah, and, and they were aware that. I was a, a musician too, so I guess that gave me a little bit of street credibility.
1: <laughs> and for you, who or what would you say would be an inspiration for wanting to learn music?
0: Uh, Neil Young, ha- ha- have to go. He's my all-time favorite. And so I wasn't—I didn't play guitar um, until I got to college, and I bought a cheap department store guitar, probably for about twenty-five dollars, twenty dollars, twenty-five dollars. <laughs> And there was a guy in the same dorm hallway who could play Neil Young, and he showed me how to play Needle on the Damage Done, you know, ticking. So I didn't first learn how to strum. I was learning how to pick some notes at the beginning when I was learning. And I was just determined to learn how to play Needle on the Damage Done. And, um, and it, the neat thing about Neil Young is, is that if you buy the chord books, he's actually playing a lot of the chords you see in the chord books and for a lot of musicians, they're playing all these bar chords and it's not anything close to what you see in those books. But Neil Young, um, for the most part, that was really good. You could pick up a chord book and strum along with them and, and come pretty close to what he was doing. So it made you feel pretty good. The other thing, I've, all I used to do was play basketball um, eight hours a day at some <laughs> point. And I busted my my, uh, my pinky and it's in really bad shape. So and that's on my cording hand. So it really limited. Um, what I, you know, what I could do, I couldn't get my pinky into a chord. Mm. So I was stuck playing a lot of open chords on the guitar and not doing many bar chords that you slide up. So that really limited me to a more, a folkier kind of strumming mm-hmm. sound. And then I was telling you about the Feelies when their album came out and that would have been about early eighties. Um, I, you know, after learning all these new young songs, the Feelys come out, I hear this album and these guys are playing a new wave, um, Little post-punk new wave and strumming really fast on their guitars, but they're playing open chords. They're playing all these chords I learned when new young songs, and that's when I thought, man, maybe I can even with my pinky and being so limited, maybe I can still you know write songs, put a band together,
1: play shows. Yeah,
0: and that's how that's how I started.
1: That's awesome. That's amazing to overcome something like that like, with your pinky and being that way and having <sighs> to learn how to play essentially a different way than most people. How long did it take you to learn to play like that?
0: Well, like I said, I just learned all these new young songs. Mm-hmm. And see, then when I heard the Feelies, I realized what well, you can do, you can speed it up and it's going to sound more um, new wave. It's going to sound more post-punk. And that's at the time, know, I was really lucky to be in college in the early 80s because you had The Cure coming out, Echo and the man. Um oh, this really interesting music. I mean, coming, creating new music, new styles of music. Right. So that was inspiring me, too. And then you had, of course, R.E.M., and who were doing some scummy things, Miracle Legion, all these um, bands doing that sort of thing, too. And, and a lot of it influenced by the Velvet Underground and the Birds. And, and so there was some jangly pop happening at, at, at that time. So mm-hmm. it was really a lot of bands influenced me. But the song pre-sound stayed kind of unique because I can't sit, like I might be writing a song and say, oh, I want this, this is going to sound like the Smiths. But there's no way, I don't even know what Johnny Marr is doing on the song. I've never asked anybody to show me. So when I try to, and I do most of the songwriting for the band, when I write a song, I'm just thinking about bands as I'm doing it. And so what comes out, I think is distinctive. It doesn't sound like, we trying to, you know, directly copy another band because mm-hmm. I can't do it. So this is one case where the limitation actually helped us to find our own sound. Um, yeah. and so that's probably a good thing.
1: Yeah. When you put it all, all the pieces together and say, "Oh, well, maybe I can do this." How long did it take you to actually put the band together?
0: Well, that, that was in I started learning. When I was in college, and then I had a um, another roommate later on, probably my junior year, and. He just loved the drums, but never had any formal instruction. Never had a drum kit, and he just would pound out beats. Tom Bowling, um, is his name, and he would pound out all the beats on these um, metal Kool-Aid cans with plastic tops. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and then I went to I went to grad school at UVA um, to become a guidance counselor, and then he followed me. He was a year behind me, and so when I was in graduate school, he and I just started. By then, he had, like, suitcases to head on. He was playing on different household items. Mm-hmm. And I found, a, 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 like, a snare drum up in the attic of my house, like a Spirit of 1776 drum my dad used to have, this old beat-up drum. So he and I put some songs together and played at a – it was a gay bar, but at night, they had hardcore bands play in Charlottesville. So I was at Easy hmm. And it was Halloween night. I put together these songs. It was just me and Tom with all, you know, all these hardcore kids. And our music was more kind of folky post punk kind of thing. But they seemed to dig it and it was a fun night. And, and that's where we, start, where we started. Then I moved to Richmond and met some other musicians. And that, that's the key with my limitations to surround yourself with really good musicians.
1: Yeah. So I met some people
0: to. and, yeah, I met some people. And then we just started to um, slowly put this band together. And I didn't have children at that time in the mid 80s. And everybody just lugged their equipment to my house in one of the rooms. And we um, would get together and, and contacted some bars. And they said, yeah, you, you sound. And we got good shows. We opened for Buck Rock and Love Chapter bands like that, that were fairly big at the time in the mid-'80s.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> that's such a cool, like, way to get into it. Yeah, just, I, it's kind of
0: funny that it even happened. I mean, because like I said, I, I'm working at, when I worked at James River, and we have a guitar class, and I'll have students take, um, be taking that class and two months later they come into my office and show me what they've learned they're already <laughs> better than i am on the guitar it's
1: it's really <laughs> oh my goodness funny.
0: but i i just i guess i have a knack at just stringing chords together i don't know much about guitar theory and just what sounds good to me and mm-hmm. and i'm probably playing the bottom parts of chords or the top parts not the full chord because of my pinky mm-hmm. and i can just sit there all day just hitting chords and and humming and making up gibberish and then coming up with another part, another part. So actually, the people my, uh, the musicians in my band who are, if you know music theory, tell me that my songs are pretty complicated because there are a lot of chord changes in, in, the, in the songs. Well, I think they And they, it and sounds they have to follow. Good. Yeah, and they have to go. Well, what chord is that? What are you playing there? <laughs> so they have to stop me all the time to figure out what I'm doing because I don't know what I'm doing.
1: <laughs> well, actually, that that's kind of a uh, interesting idea there so when you guys do get together because you probably with everybody or with the uh, lead guitarist moving around and being away uh, i think in the the pre-recording you were saying you do some online stuff with each other how do you all kind of make it all work to create a song well uh, for the mo- most part and th- the last time that you've seen that video is
0: the exception but um since we were formed a ba- band in 1999 I just write all the songs.
1: Oh, okay. I'm pretty
0: much the singer, songwriter. I put together all the songs.
1: Wow. and then I get
0: together with the lead guitarist and he and I hammer out his his lead guitar parts are really intricate. Every mm-hmm. note matters. So we go through note by note and there's this the his guitar leads he weaves them throughout the song. You know, a lot of bands are just they come in and out. But for the silent boys, it's just like surf guitar music. So he plays this surfy jazz um rock kind of style and throughout the song mm. but he and I sit there and, and we orchestrate it That's and awesome. then for a while there, he was the bass player and we did the same thing with the bass now the bass is interesting because a lot of most bands the traditional thing to do is the bass locks in with the drums bum 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 and it's in sync with that mm-hmm. but I'm a huge fan of what New Order and The Cure would do to their songs but they would use the bass force to create another layer of melody in the song so it didn't lock in with the drum at all it was another instrument. When I first saw New Order Live, um, whenever that was, early 80s, I was in the front row and Peter Hook, you know, they were playing a song. And I look at, and it was Peter Hook, the bass player, was doing the main, I always thought it was the guitar. they just consent this song and this this really neat guitar riff going through the whole thing. But it's a bass riff going through the whole song. And I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> so for a while, while they our guitarist, John, Sue Hockey, would play both. And we would ensure that it was this this very um, um, like New Orders type bass going through all the songs, another layer of melody. Now we picked up a, a new bass player a couple albums ago, Michael Click was here in town, and we've had to coach him a little bit. So he he does both. He kind of locks in. He's more of a traditional bassist, but sometimes we require that he, in different parts of the song, all of a sudden just take off and play some higher notes that are more melodic, that mm. aren't locked into the, the drum at all. So now it's more of a mixture, um, but back then it was it was pretty much we were doing with new order and the cure we're doing with their bass parts. Cool. So we, it's really intricate. So we get together, guitarists and I get together, work out all the parts. Then now the bass player comes in and, and works on it. He's gotten to a point. We don't need to coach him anymore. He knows what, <laughs> and he's a, he's a, he's younger than us, but he's a big fan of the of 80s music. So he knows most of the bands. You know, he's a big new order cure fan, echoing the bunny man. So he knows what we're um, looking for. And, and and He's spot on now with the, the bass parts. That's
1: always so what good. We to have a band that jives. Oh,
0: at this point, there's no ego. I mean, there's it's just we've always just done it for the love of music and the and for the song. We're always you know I'm always in the hunt for the perfect pop song. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm always trying to write the next "Love Will Tear Apart" or "This Charming Man" by The Smiths. Or there's just so many great songs out there that I listen to and go, "Oh, wow, I wish I'd written that one." <laughs> um, even Space Age Love Song by Flock of Seagulls. Mm-hmm. just love the soaring guitar in that song. And I'm just always trying to write the next, you know, every song. I'm just trying to write the perfect pop song. So it just keeps me, well, I'll be in the hunt forever because I haven't done it yet and I'm still working on it. <laughs> but the, hey, but the funny thing is the song Last Time, um, so I was preparing for the, this new album, Tilt to World, and I have too many songs when we're going into the recording session. So I'm, I'm sitting there in my bed thinking, okay, i got to take some songs off the plate. And John Suhockey texts me right then going, hey, I was sleeping last night and this song came to me and I got up and recorded it. What do you think of this one? And I'm you know, listening to it. that's yeah, good and everything. But I'm thinking, no way, John. I'm putting, I'm, here I am trying to take songs off the plate. I can't do anything with that. You know, <laughs> it's too late. I didn't tell him that. I just put it aside. Mm-hmm. But it's so funny. The bass player, Michael Click. We didn't know about it. He took the song. He hijacked it. He recorded the guitar parts for it, made up leads for it, sang it as if trying to imitate me when he sang it, wrote the lyrics, put the song together, and then, you know, plays it for me. And I go, oh, my God, that's a really good song. I mean, that's a really good song. That could be the future song on the album. <laughs> and so we included that one because um, the bass player commandeered it and created this. And he, the surprising part, he even created the really chimey, the really cool riffs on that song, um, he created.
1: That's amazing.
0: <laughs> so that's the first song. Yeah, that's the first song. And I, I joke with him now. I'm going to lock y'all in a room together, not letting you out. If you come up with another pop hit like that.
1: <laughs> do you have a particular song out of all the ones you've done that you like uh, above all the others?
0: No, they're all my babies. You know, you, I like them all for different reasons.
1: Okay, now, how they're do you hard, come up it's hard with the to lyrics? Pick one. Um,
0: what I do, it always starts with the, 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 the song, the music first. And I, but I, I sing gibberish. But I, I pay real close attention to how I, um, the phrasing and the melody lines of the vocals. Everything, and I don't stop till I get really good melody lines for every vocal part, even if it's a verse. And I want to make sure a song has a big chorus. A lot of bands nowadays drives me crazy is you listen to a song and it's great, but there's no chorus. It doesn't build up to this big, rousing chorus. Um, but I want to make sure every song has a chorus. And so I, I just sit there, I sing gibberish and string parts together till I come up with something. And then I'll one of my gibberish lines will sound, hey, that's pretty good. Like one time I was singing, all my favorite colors are shades of blue. That's it. Okay. Then I write a whole song. Then it becomes like haku, because <laughs> I've already worked out the vocal phrasing. So now I, I may want to say something. But I've got a, I'm limited in the syllables to make it sound right, but mm-hmm. I like that. I like putting the puzzle together. So I, I, think it's, I don't think I've ever just had lyrics and say, "Okay, I'm going to put some music to this." It's always just started till I get one, one line pops into my head, and then I just take off from there. Cool.
1: Are you all working on something? Do you have anything coming up or something that you kind of well, the, you're thinking well, about: The new album?: Well, the new
0: album is coming out um, May
1: 15th. Ooh.
0: So you've got the two singles on the mm-hmm. album. A third single, Lawrence of Arabia. We're going to put that out on Vimeo this Thursday or Friday. And so we've got a ten-song album that's, um, like I said, set for May fifteenth release. But we've already started recording three new songs. Wow! So we're already on the moving on to the next album.
1: That's amazing.
0: And then and then I started another band, an indie rock band called the Steam Train Hearts, because I wanted to play kind of. Locally, I told you I was partners at a recording studio, Sound of Music in Richmond here, and there's a big warehouse and we have shows. So I put together a band with a guy who used to, Bruce Smith, who's my partner, used to be the Sound Boys bassist and played some guitar back in the 80s. So he and I put put together a band that's more like closer to Electric Neil Young, more of a rockin' Neil Young meets Dream Syndicate and meets Dinosaur Jr. and a little bit of the Seculec Furs. Really a lot of melody in it. I write all the songs for this one, too. But he kind of said, Wallace, I'll do this with you. you got to get rid of the guitar. I'm not letting you play guitar. <laughs> but oh I, in the studio, we've we, we recorded an album for that one, too. But I, and I do play the acoustic guitar, but Bruce came behind me and replayed it all just wow. to make it more rocking And, you know, you can get a fuller sound because, like I said, I've got that damaged pinky.
1: Right, right. But but
0: the funny part is, he's he lets me, he thinks I've gotten more consistent, so he's letting me play live, and I can have my guitar back for the live <laughs> shows, <laughs> which is kind of, which is funny. But that, that album is, um, I'm really excited about that album. So I've got to get in there, it's finished, I've just got to do the mixing, um, put that one out. Yeah. So I've been busy with this project.
1: Well, right on. What advice do you have for somebody that's just starting out trying to make their own band?
0: Um. It's funny, somebody was asking that, that the other day, and I didn't, couldn't think of a really good answer, and, I, and I, I think back to like when I was at James River, and students would come to me and say, you know, they were talking about their, you know, they went to rap and wanted to put a band together or something, but I would use that as an opportunity to say, keep your mind wide open, learn as much as you can in every single subject you have. It's like you're a painter and you have this palette, and the more you learn about every different subject, the more curious you are about everything, the more colors you have to choose from to paint your picture so it's going to be a lot more interesting it won't be just this monochrome thing hmm. so that was one of the the, the the main things i think is always just be open to learning and open to doing things a, a different way and being creative i've um i love joy division and new order like i said but there's a couple books that come out recently about joy division and it talked about all the interesting things martin hannett the engineer was doing in the studio he wanted to get a certain sound on i believe it was the hi-hat he wanted to get a in there Mm-hmm. So after he, at the drummer, did, did his part, he had him come behind and get in the the vocal booth with the can of aerosol spray. And every time he hits the hi hat on the recording that he's listening to in his headphones, he's got to spray the aerosol to get the <laughs> <laughs> <in>. <laughs> to get the. So they were doing all this crazy, you know, getting all these, you know. So just be willing to have fun and um, experiment, you know. Learn this, you know. Keep your eyes and ears wide open. Um, I, I think collaboration has, you know, the, the last few albums we've been able to do more collaboration. And you asked me, well, how do I put all this together? For the mm-hmm. last couple of albums, I've, I've gotten John to come into town a week before. So the whole band can get together. And then that gives people the chance to say, okay, Wallace, what if we made this part shorter? Or what if we added, you know, so everybody has, gets to have a, a say in it. It used to be, I would just say, look, we have no time. I'm paying this many dollars per hour. We got to slide through these songs. That might be a good point you're bringing up, but there's no time. We just gotta get these songs down to the
1: where they are. Yeah. So we'll
0: always schedule time for, for people to you know, to have a say and to have some input and to how the strong could be how the song could be even stronger because it's really it's all about the song. So that's why our egos don't always bump into each other because we're all trying to create the best um recording, the best song that we, that we can.
1: Right. Right. I can totally understand that. I got gotcha. you. So this last little bit of the show here, I'd like to kind of open it up to you. Um, let people know where they can go to follow along. Like if you have any social medias or anything, you can tell them where to go.
0: Um probably the best place to go is our website. And that is um, at my computer. I can't remember what silent boys. Yeah, it's silentboys.com. Okay.
1: All right. That's and we easy also
0: enough. have a Yeah, that'll take you just about everywhere from there, but there's a Bandcamp page, so all of our recordings are up on the Bandcamp page, and available as downloads, and still some physical, if my son tells me, Dad, nobody listens to CDs anymore, nobody (laughs) even has a CD player, and he's probably right, but you still can buy the physical CDs if you're old school, like me. Cool.
1: (laughs) That sounds entertaining. (laughs) So Wallace, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show tonight and talking to me. Letting me know a little bit about the Silent Boys and about you and how things come together. You've been a great guest. It's been a lot of fun. Oh, uh, cool and good. Good talking to you. Great questions. No, thank you. you got you me thinking. <laughs> well, that's what I try to do. I try to hit the hard, uh, ask the hard-hitting questions around here. <laughs> <laughs> but I do appreciate it. All right. Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. And thank you to all the listeners who tuned in to check it out. I hope you really go check out Wallace's stuff. Go check out the silent boys. They've got a really great sound. You're going to love them. Go check it out. The links in the description, go click it, head there, click the likes, the bells, the whistles, all that good stuff. And we'll see you all next time. (laughs) Oh, now that was an awesome interview. Thanks so much for listening. You all are so great. And don't forget to head to Facebook, Insta, and Twitter and follow The Leo Effects. If you want to hear some comedy and ridiculous voices, check out Shattered Dungeons on YouTube and all other places podcasts can be heard. And you'll hear me voicing crazy characters, usually pretty terribly. So thank you so much. You all are the absolute best. And we will see you all on the next episode.